wait another few moments for enough people to join us for the live video this morning. Right, grace and peace and welcome to the strange new world that is online worship this uh, April 5th of 2020. It's Palm Sunday. I am glad to be here in this place in this wonderful way uh, to share with you the worship of the living God as we prepare to encounter Jesus on the road to Jerusalem to find out what it is exactly he has to say to us today. Uh, I have always loved Palm Sunday. Uh, if you were online two hours ago, I recorded a live video down in the sanctuary at Cokesbury United Methodist Church, in which I shared a story uh, about what it's like to celebrate Palm Sunday with children. Um, but I can remember very vividly celebrating Palm Sunday as a child uh, myself. One of the things that I loved about growing up in the church, I mean, I loved Easter, don't get me wrong. The Easter hymns are some of my favorite, but I really personally enjoyed Palm Sunday uh, quite a bit as a kid because Palm Sunday was a day as a kid that we always arrived a little bit earlier with this joyful hope and anticipation for the parade of palm branches that were going to you know, mark the beginning of worship. Uh, like shepherds guiding the sheep, the kids, went, when I was young enough, we were sort of herded into a single file line down this hallway by the narthex, and we were each given one single uh, palm frond, and we were given detailed and explicit instructions like, you will march down the center aisle, you will wave your palm branches, and you will not hit each other. Uh, of course, so, uh, you know, a hymn would begin on the organ in the sanctuary, we would quickly file in line and we'd wave our palm branches and we would walk in and we'd be shouting and singing and saying, Hosanna, Hosanna. Uh, and that was the routine as far as I can remember every year that regardless of what was going on in the world or even in the church on Palm Sunday, we, the kids, got to participate in. And frankly, we kind of led the worship service. At least that used to be the routine because sometime along in the years, we decided that we would march down the center, we would wave our palm branches, but it would be a lot more fun if we did something else. It started subtly one day, a boy raised a palm branch a little bit higher than usual. Instead of waving it back and forth, he brought it down with a passion on the head in, on the girl right in front of him, to which she turned around and smacked him right across the face. And as if the message shot out uh, among all of us, we began to pummel each other uh, as all these adults tried to pull us off of each other and break up this fight. And to my knowledge, that's the last time at my home church they allowed the children to lead the Palm Sunday parade. I've always kind of vividly loved that memory uh, because that's probably a little closer and a little more akin to what Palm Sunday was like. It's not this perfect you know, time with the children being exactly the way they're supposed to be, with uh, the crowds being the way they're supposed to be. It's kind of like a revolution. Uh, it's the sort of thing that can start subtly and end with a fight. Uh, that's kind of what the people were looking for when Jesus rode into the city on the back of a donkey. So maybe when I was five years old, that's the closest I'll ever get to seeing what Palm Sunday uh, was really like. 
Uh, we have a lot of things that are going on in the life of our church without being in the church. We have uh, Bible studies that are coming out during the week that are live. Uh, there's devotionals that are being sent out. So I just want to share with uh, those who are tuning in again that at least here in Virginia, in keeping with uh, Governor Northam and Bishop Lewis, we will not be gathering in person for worship through the end of April. Uh, the cases of... Uh, the coronavirus continue to rise in our community across the country, so please, as much as is possible, uh, maintain social distancing, keep excellent hygiene, and don't be afraid to ask for help if you need it. Uh, until we are back together in person, for worship, online giving can be made on our About page on the church website, which is cokesburyumc.church. Uh, it's linked in this video description uh, for our live worship. We're also receiving and can receive checks through the mail, and we have a, a drop slot here by the office entrance uh, that if you're bringing cash, you can leave it in there and know that it will be safe as well. Uh, one of the things that a fo few folk have asked for is some version of a bulletin to follow along with worship uh, when it's live. So I emailed it out this week, and if you click in the video description of this live video, you'll also see a link to our church website where you can find the bulletin. It has uh, our prayers, scripture, the hymn we're going to sing, uh, and that sort of thing. So uh, if you're on your computer, you can open up a new tab and pull that, uh, or you can have your somebody next to you pull out their phone and look at it as well, however you want to try to worship together. Uh, this is sort of um, unknown territory, and we're all figuring it out, but I'm glad that you are with me this morning to hear what God has to say to us today. So as you're able, if you can find a comfortable posture, uh, and join me in a, a little time of silence and prayer. Lord, assist us mercifully this day, that we may enter into worship with joy upon the contemplation of those mightiest of acts where you have given us life through death. Blessed is the one who comes in the name of the Lord. Hosanna in the highest. And all God's people say, Amen. Uh, one more announcement I want to share with you. Uh, this uh, course is Palm Sunday, which means it's the beginning of Holy Week. We are, uh, we were planning to uh, gather in worship with another local United Methodist Church, Good Shepherd United Methodist Church, for Monday, Thursday, and Good Friday worship this year. But of course, uh, we're not able to gather in person. However, uh, Sarah Keeling, the pastor of Good Shepherd, and I have been uh, talking online and figuring out a different way to worship uh, in this time of social distancing, physical distancing. So on Thursday, this Thursday at 7 p.m., we have recorded uh, a video that will be uh, put online at 7 o'clock on Thursday. That is our Monday-Thursday worship service, and we will have another video coming out at 7 o'clock on Friday evening. That is our Good Friday worship. Uh, we're combining elements of both of our churches, both of us as preachers, uh, to make this time available to our churches here in the Woodbridge and the Dale City area. So uh, be sure to check Facebook and or YouTube around 7 o'clock on Thursday and 7 o'clock on Friday uh, to have those uh, services made available to you. On Easter Sunday, uh, which is a week from today, we will be having an Easter sunrise service around 6.30 in the morning on Facebook Live, just like this, uh, that I will be leading. And then, uh, as usual, our more um, prepared worship service will be taking place at 11 o'clock uh, next Sunday morning for Easter. So those are all the ways that you can connect with the Lord through the church and Facebook and YouTube and the Internet this week. Uh, again, I'd like you to uh, join me for a time of prayer as much as is possible for you. 
Lord, it is right to praise you for the acts of love by which you have redeemed us through your Son, Jesus Christ, our Lord. On this day, we remember that he entered the holy city of Jerusalem in triumph, was proclaimed as King of kings by those who spread their garments and branches along his way. O oh, Lord, that we could do the same today. And yet, O oh Lord, in this time of physical isolation, help us to see that Though we cannot wave our palm branches together in person, your Son has still marched straight into our hearts, straight into our lives, bearing the cross that frees us from our bondage to sin and death. Lord, we are mindful of the many in our community and across the world who are afraid, who are afraid not just of the coronavirus and not just of the economic ramifications, but afraid of the things they were afraid of before these things enter our lives. So we pray for those who are weak, tired, alone, poor, and hungry. Give us eyes to see and ears to hear those who have been forced to the margins of life that we might find them there and help them to see that though they might feel last, that in the kingdom of God they are first. For those of us, Lord, who feel pushed and stretched further than we've ever been before, we pray for peace that you might help us to see that you are here in the midst of this with us. And now, Lord, each of us will pray silently to you from uh, our places of worship, lifting up to you our own joys and our own concerns this day. And as you taught us, Lord, so now we pray together. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, and the power, and the glory forever. Amen. <clears throat> Our scripture reading today comes from the Gospel according to Matthew. This is chapter 21, verse 1 through 11. As I made mention before, uh, if you would like to follow along with this, there is an online bulletin available through our church website, and you can also click on it in the video description uh, with this video. This is Matthew 21, 1 through 11 in the NRSV. Hear now the word of the Lord. When they had come near Jerusalem and had reached Bethpage of the Mount of Olives, Jesus sent two disciples saying to them, Go into the village ahead of you, and immediately you will find a donkey tied up and a colt with her. Untie them and bring them to me. If anyone says anything to you, just say this, The Lord needs them, and he will send them immediately. This took place to fulfill what had been spoken through the prophet, saying, Tell the daughter of Zion, Look, your king is coming to you, humble and mounted on a donkey, on a colt, the foal of a donkey. The disciples went and did as Jesus directed them. 
They brought the donkey and the colt and put their cloaks on them, and he sat on them. A very large crowd spread their cloaks on the road. Others cut branches from the trees, spread them on the, war the road, and the crowds that went ahead of him and that were followed were shouting, Hosanna to the son of David. Blessed is the one who comes in the name of the Lord. Hosanna in the highest heaven. When he entered Jerusalem, the whole city was in turmoil. And they were asking, who is this? And the crowds were saying, this, this is the prophet Jesus from Nazareth in Galilee. This is the word of God for us, the people of God. Thanks be to God. I've shared as we've been doing these online services that I'm a Methodist, which means I don't know how to worship without singing something. Uh, and so we're going to be singing a hymn. And I say we because you can join me from the comfort of your homes. This is number 402 in our hymn book in the United Methodist Hymnal. Uh, this is, Lord, I want to be a Christian. Uh, the verses are, Lord, I want to be a Christian in my heart, in my heart. Uh, and then the second verse is, Lord, I want to be more loving in my heart. The third verse is, Lord, I want to be more holy. And the fourth verse is, Lord, I want to be like Jesus. And because I can play the drums... We're going to play this on the drums and sing as well. So join me as we sing, Lord, I want to be a Christian. Lord, I want to be a Christian in my heart, in my heart. Lord, I want to be a Christian in my heart. sermon title for today is Occupied. <clears throat> Hosanna to the Son of David. Blessed is the one who comes in the name of the Lord. Hosanna in the highest heaven. When he entered in Jerusalem, the whole city was in turmoil. Would you please pray with me? May the words of my mouth 
and the meditations of all of our hearts be acceptable in thy sight, O Lord, our rock and our redeemer. Amen. The whole city was occupied. The occupiers, they came through once a year with a big military parade to remind the occupied that they were, in fact, occupied. And they were smart about it. They knew the religious festivals in the spring were a time when the people got all ramped up. So they prepared to make a sign of strength at the same time to, as they put it, keep the peace. And so it came to pass early one Sunday morning. The roads were cleared as the citizens of the city hid behind curtains in their homes and the parade began. The weight of the tanks broke up the smooth city streets. The ICBMs were pulled behind countless trailers and scores of soldiers marched in step while shouting out their maniacal military mantras. It was terrifying and it was supposed to be. However, on the other side of the city, another parade was starting, though this one was different in every way imaginable. The teacher, that's what they called him, the teacher had sent two of his followers ahead very early in the morning with the simple instructions to find something that would help them all get into the city. So they searched in vain, knowing that many were afraid of the comings and the goings on the other side of the city with the displays of violence. But eventually, they came across an abandoned tricycle sitting on its side in the front yard of what appeared to be a vacant house. So they took that tricycle and they gave it to the teacher. It was perfect. Hours later, while word of the military parade spread from house to house to house, the teacher rode into the occupied city, striding atop his tricycle with pink and purple streamers coming out of the handlebars. It was a deeply and richly symbolic act, entering from the opposite direction and in the opposite manner of those on the other side. Instead of riding on that which kept people afraid, the teacher came with an anti-war parade. It was a mockery. It was a mockery of the occupier's intimidation, and it was triumphant. So the teacher rode and he swerved left and right throughout the streets. Twitter went ablaze with news that the man was finally in the city. Droves of people left the shelter of their homes to catch a glimpse of the one who they believed was coming to save them. The numbers grew and grew. The fervor swept over them as they started taking off their jackets and waving them high in the air. They even started ripping flowers out of the ground and placing them on the road like a royal carpet. They started shouting things like, The king is here! Finally, someone to save us! The further he made it into, city, into the city, the louder the crowds became, and the people were in turmoil. Between the two parades that Sunday morning, the people knew not who would win. Everyone was so preoccupied with the occupation and the signs and the singing that no one noticed the teacher's face. Because the longer he rode on his tricycle, the more he cried. He wept. He wept knowing that he was entering as the Prince of Peace. And yet, within a week, those very crowds that shouted for salvation would also be the ones begging for his execution. On Monday, the teacher made his way to City Hall with all the other citizens. Knowing all that had transpired the day before, all eyes were on the crazy man with the expectation that things were finally about to change. He walked slowly, 
taking in the sights of the marginalized, being pushed even further toward the margins. He saw the bankers lending out money with exorbitant interest rates. For three years, he'd been going through all the surrounding areas, berating the elite for taking advantage of the poor and the outcast. He once told a yuppie to sell everything and give it away. And that Monday morning, before anyone realized it, the teacher, he grabbed a nearby lamppost, and with all of his strength, he pulled it right out of the ground, and he started swinging with all the force he could muster. He destroyed the tables and the stands and the signs of what was happening right in the heart of the city, and the crowds stood silent. The elite and the powerful, those who benefited from the occupation, now had their attention on the teacher. It was one thing to have a crowd cheering for a man on a tricycle, but to disrupt the economic scheme that was putting money in their pockets was something else entirely. Something needed to be done. On Tuesday, the teacher went back to City Hall, and he began to teach in the open air. If the people were excited to see his entry into the city, they were now even more eager to hear what he had to say, knowing that he had thrown out all who represented the economic disparity. Of course, it wasn't just the poor and the downtrodden, downtrodden that gathered to listen. Some of the religious authorities, some of the elite, were there too. And they kept demanding to know who he thought he was, that he could speak with such authority. You see, the teacher, he spoke in riddles, telling stories about one thing that were actually pointing at something else. Over and over again, he used examples to show how the powerful, how they were actually the weak, and worst of all, they were hypocrites. He accused them again and again of neglecting to honor the very things they talked about all the time, how they were the ones truly responsible for the occupiers entering year after year, and that no matter what they did or said or believed, there was nothing they could do to stop him. At this point, the teacher had quite a following. He had taken away the means of economic injustice from those in power, and now he was calling them things like hypocrites and vipers. And they tried their best to trap him in his words, but he kept going as if they weren't even really there. On Wednesday, the teacher left the city. He traveled to a nearby hill where he continued to teach. Some of his followers made comments about the beauty of the city from their high vantage point, but he responded by telling them that all of it was coming down. Not one stone would be left. He talked about a new order one in which those would be blessed if they fed the hungry and gave water to the thirsty, if they befriended the lonely, if they clothed the naked, if they cared for the sick. He pointed at the children in their midst, and he said, unless you adults start acting like these kids, not one of you will have a spot in my kingdom. And he ended with his favorite catchphrase of all, the first are going to be last, and the last are going to be first. So for those who were listening, those at the bottom of all things, this sounded like good news. But for those in power, it was too much. On Thursday, the teacher continued to teach and gather with his followers, but it was time for the religious festival, so he retreated to an apartment right in the heart of the city with his closest friends. They told stories about the past, what had led each of them to where they were. They shared a few bottles of wine, and they kept partying late into the night. But before it was all said and done, the teacher grabbed a nearby loaf of bread and he said, Hey, you see this bread? This is me. I'm going to give myself for you. 
So whenever you eat bread, remember what I did. Then he took a nearby cup and he said, hey, you see this? This is my blood. I'm pouring it out for you and for the world. So whenever you drink, remember me. They feasted. They celebrated. But one of the friends left through the back door when no one was looking. He loved the teacher. But some of what he had said had gone too far, and he was going to put a stop to it before they were all killed. Later, they traveled to a nearby rooftop garden. The teacher urged his friends to stay awake, but one by one, they fell asleep. So he knelt on the ground, and he prayed. He prayed about all that was going to take place, and the last thing he said in his prayer was this, Let your will be done. As he looked up from his posture of prayer, the betrayer arrived with soldiers. They quickly rushed into the garden, and they arrested the teacher. The dozing followers ran off in fear, not knowing what was about to happen. On Friday, the teacher was brought before the occupying governor, the very one who arrived at the city in the military parade just days before. The soldiers and the leaders demanded that the teacher needed to be publicly executed. But the governor, strangely enough, could find no fault with the man. So he decided to bring the teacher before a crowd of people and offer them a choice, democracy and action. They could free the teacher or they could free a leader, a leader of the terrorist rebellion who was responsible for car bombs across the city. It was the same people who were on the road less than a week before shouting, save us. And now they shouted with reckless abandon, kill him. So the leader of the rebellion was freed and the teacher, the teacher was sentenced to death. Soldiers stationed nearby beat him and whipped him right to the point of death. And to mock him, they covered him with a three-piece suit and a striped power tie. They forced him to carry the instrument of his death, a noose, right up to the top of a hill for all eyes to see. And as the soldiers strung up the line from the highest branch on the highest tree, the teacher looked out over the scene. And he said loud enough for a few people to hear, It's okay. I forgive you. Because you have no idea what you're doing. And then they placed the rope around his neck and they pulled and they pulled until he was hanging in the air and he was dead. Palm Sunday is a strange Sunday. It begins in celebration and it ends in catastrophe. It begins with cries of Hosanna and ends with cries of crucify. It begins with life and it ends with death. Typically, I resist the temptation to tell the whole story of Jesus's final week on Palm Sunday because I want to encourage people to come to our services from Monday, Thursday and Good Friday so they can learn the rest of the story. But knowing this year is a strange year with the calls for social distancing, I know not who will be able to join us online for worship on Thursday or on Friday. And I can't help but think that if all we encounter today is the crowds waving their branches with their hosannas and their hope, then Easter doesn't make much sense. Or to put it another way, why did Jesus go from being loved to being dead? 
The Passion Week, what we call Holy Week, no matter how it's told, it refuses to let us imagine it as some sort of spiritual or ethereal dilemma. It is fleshy and tactile and real. It takes place in time, in our time. It compels people like us to encounter the truth of the incarnation that God chose in Christ to come and dwell among us. And even more, it forces us to come to grips with the fact that we nailed him to a tree. You know, Jesus' death, it's strange. It's strange that Jesus was killed considering how we so often talk about him inside, of, inside and outside the church. Jesus, who, you know, just wants us to love each other a little bit more. Jesus, who just wants us to engage in active listening. Jesus, who just wants us to spend more time in our Bibles and more time in prayer. Why would anyone kill anyone pushing that kind of message? Why did Jesus have to die? Why do you have to die on a cross? Well, he had to die on a cross because that's the way the Romans executed those deemed a threat. Hang them high so all can see what happens if you challenge the powers and the principalities. Why did Jesus have to die? He wasn't what we wanted. You know, the crowds wanted someone to deliver them from Roman occupation. They wanted a new king to enter and storm into the city and use weapons and use power and use violence to give them what they wanted. But when we get what we want, the world often gets worse. Jesus wasn't what we wanted him to be. And so by the time the week came to a conclusion, when we thought we'd see him sitting on the throne making our lives better, instead he told us to turn the other cheek, to give all of our possessions to help those who have nothing, we didn't want him to be our king anymore. And so we crucified him. Now, of course, today, we don't crucify people anymore. We're too dignified. We're too respectable for things like that. Instead, we just isolate them in prison and keep them on death row. Or we demonize them on social media, or we berate them behind closed doors. We can stand anyone who would call into question the practices and the policies that put money in our pockets. We stifle anyone sniffing around our firstness and our rightness and our presumed righteousness. And we certainly don't want anyone to ever call us hypocrites. You know, it's kind of funny how much the gospel today sounds like the Rolling Stones. <laughs> you can't always get what you want, but if you try sometimes, well, you might just find... You get what you need. Jesus wasn't killed for telling people to love each other more. He was killed because we don't have imaginations capable of understanding what love actually looks like. But now we do know what, love's look, what love looks like because we know Jesus and we know him crucified. For it is the cross that reveals to us the very heart of God. The cross is not just some symbol to explain suffering in the world. Rather, it is the witness to the lengths God chose to go in order to rectify our wrongs. What does Paul say? At the right time, Christ died for the ungodly. That's us. Jesus' cross makes a people, a people possible, who see and know and believe that the only true response to suffering in this world is love. Friends, Holy Week, it's not about us. It's about what Jesus went through because of us. In the end, as we sit in the shadow of Jesus' death, we are given a task made possible as well as demanded by the cross 
to be present to one another when there is quite literally nothing we can do to save ourselves. Jesus enters the city under occupation, and in the end, he occupies our place on the cross. The crowds demanded their salvation, and Jesus gave it to them by giving himself. Hosanna to the Son of David. Blessed is the one who comes in the name of the Lord. Hosanna in the heaven, highest heaven. Jesus has come to save us from ourselves. So I offer this to you in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, one God now and forever. Amen. Uh, as you're able, no matter where you are, no matter how you're viewing, would you please uh, pray with me? Lord, in your tender love for the cosmos, you sent your Son to take upon our nature. He became sin who knew no sin to suffer and die upon the cross, giving us the example of love. Mercifully grant, O Lord, that we may walk in the way of his suffering and also share in his resurrection. Through Jesus Christ, our Lord, who lives and reigns with you in the Holy Spirit, one God now and forever. Amen. When we worship at Cokesbury, in person on Sunday mornings, we have uh, four parts of our worship. We gather, we proclaim, uh, and we respond to what has been proclaimed. And in this time of response, I remind you that if you uh, can, if you are able to support the ministries of our church, uh, that you can uh, give to us online, you can give to us through the mail, or you can uh, bring an offering here to uh, the drop slot at the church, but do so in a way that is, allows you to maintain the best social distancing that you possibly can. Uh, one of the other ways that we typically respond to what God has said is with an affirmation of our faith. Uh, so if you would join me in using the Apostles' Creed, which you can find on your online bulletin if you are unsure of the words. But it goes like this. I believe in God, the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and of earth, and in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, dead, and buried. The third day he rose from the dead. He ascended into heaven. He sitteth at the right hand of God the Father Almighty. From thence he shall come to judge the quick and the dead. I believe in the Holy Spirit the Holy Catholic Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen. One further possibility for responding to the word this week is with what I'm calling the hanging of the greens. One of the great traditions of Palm Sunday is, of course, gathering together with fellow Christians and waving palm branches around to mark the beginning and the end of the service. As I said at the beginning, I have vivid memories of doing it as a child and every year since. Uh, this year, of course, we are not in the sanctuary, waving our hands in the air, lifting up our hosannas, but that doesn't mean we can't live into this from our own home. So if you are able, I encourage you to find some greenery uh, to hang on your front door or through a window. It can be any green branch you can get your hands on. It can be uh, a piece of green paper that you might have in your house. It doesn't really matter what it is, but something green that you can hang as a witness, your front door or through a window. And if you want to take it up a notch, 
Uh, you can take a picture of it, post it on social media, use the hashtag Hosanna at home. Uh, you can tag the church, you can tag me, whatever you want to do. Uh, and remember that this is a, a visible way of showing that we are the church, whether we can gather together or not. A reminder for each of us uh, that we are still lifting up our Hosannas to the Lord, a call to be saved. And today we remember that Jesus saves us the way we need to be saved, even if it's not the way we want. Uh, so friends, I pray that you are being safe, that you have all that you need in this strange time. Uh, and I would like to remind you that um, if you need help, just ask. Uh, ask me, ask a friend, ask a neighbor. Uh, this is not a time for us to be alone, even if we need to be physically distant from each other. So now go forth to live in this world as a saved person, a child of God with this blessing and with this benediction. May the God of grace and glory, God of the beginning, God of the end, the God of life, the God of death, and the God of resurrection help you to see, know, and believe that you can't always get what you want, but sometimes you get just what you need. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, one God now and forever. Amen. And now I have fulfilled a lifelong goal of using the Rolling Stones in a worship service. Everyone be well, and we will see you hopefully this week for Monday, Thursday, Good Friday, and also next uh, Sunday for the Resurrection.